Hello everyone, this is Ryan Willoughby, your host here on A Hand Up. Today's interview is with Ms. Lisa Gordon and Mrs. Ann Myers. We record this live at the 2019 Habitat on the Hill event. Unfortunately, there were some technical issues, so I apologize in advance for the sound quality. However, both ladies share some great insight on leadership and Habitat's mission, in particularly our ongoing Cost of Home campaign. You're really going to enjoy this, so sit back and hear from two of the leading voices in the Habitat movement. Lisa, Anne, thank you so much for being available today to sit down on the Hand Up podcast. I hope you're both doing well today. Yeah, everything going okay? You staying safe? I'm we doing are. all right in, in D.C. Mm-hmm. We're doing good in Atlanta, just trying to stay safe. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I imagine a lot of people listening to the podcast probably know you two through uh, the work that you've done. Uh, but for those of us who maybe are listening, they don't know who Lisa Gordon is. They don't know who Ann Myers is. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got involved with Habitat, what you do? Um, Lisa, would you just start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm president and CEO of the Atlanta Habitat for Humanity um, affiliate. I've been on board since uh, July of 2015 and basically joined Habitat um, after a long-term CEO had retired. It was my first uh, chance to actually be part of the organization. I was knowledgeable of Habitat, but I wasn't directly involved. I think I have enjoyed tremendously working for the network, uh, working with the community, and really transforming the work that we do here in Atlanta. We are doing a neighborhood revitalization focus, and that means we are really just looking for ways to just uplift the community as well as invest in affordable homeownership options. Fantastic. Can you give me the correct the correct title, you are on the, you're the chair of the advocacy committee, correct, for the U.S. Council? Yes, yes, I'm the U.S. Council Advocacy Committee chair. Yes, completing my first year in July. Awesome, awesome. Well, fantastic. Thank you for serving on that. Ann, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who's Ann Myers? We want to know. Um, happy to, and I'm super happy to be here with Lisa. Um, we work uh, very closely together. I'm um, our senior director for advocacy campaigns at Habitat for Humanity International and our government relations and advocacy office in Washington, D.C. And I started with Habitat at a local affiliate in South Carolina um, over a decade ago, um, running their volunteer programs and really doing a lot of um, a lot of engagement and advocacy and how can we how can we leverage our supporters our volunteers and others um, to be a voice for habitat um, to, to support public policy work and um, and I started attending Habitat on the Hill, our annual legislative conference um, and from there um, it's probably been a total of seven or eight years ago now that I've been in the government relations and advocacy office. Um, and I really love being able to, to share what we're doing and engage affiliates in what we're doing um, so that we can really ensure that we're, we're providing um, the, the most usable and effective um, means to advocate together. 
and as a follow-up to that, being that you're uh, there at the GRA office, the Government Relations Office, can you tell us maybe about some of the current trends in habitat advocacy efforts? Uh, I mean, I know you guys have a lot of stuff going on all the time, but maybe just bring us up to speed on everything that Habitat's doing advocacy-wise. Would that be possible? Possible. Um, I'm happy to share with you. There's two main things I'd like to hit on um, to, to speak to. Obviously, there's a lot that our team does. Um, but one of the two, two major things that I wanted to call out and share with you all um, that Lisa and Ryan, I know you guys are very familiar with, is that nearly a year ago now, we're coming up on our first anniversary, um, we launched the Cost of Home campaign. It's our very first national advocacy campaign for Habitat. Um, it's definitely been a long time coming that we've had the desire to do this, um, to provide a platform from which we could raise a collective voice and come together um, towards common goals. Uh, we spent a long time really being very intentional in what the focus of the campaign would be. Um, it is a campaign to improve housing affordability, um, and, and it does that through four primary areas of policy focus that we spent a lot of time consulting across, across HFHI, across the Habitat Network, across our partners, and landed on supply and preservation, land use, access to credit, and communities of opportunity as those, those areas. We call them sub-themes. Um, one of the things to point out about cost of home that, that I particularly love is that it's really a collection of campaigns, acti campaigning activity happening at the local level that our affiliates are leading, um, such as Habitat Atlanta, and at the state level that our state organizations are leading, such as Habitat Georgia, and then at the federal level that we in the GRA office are leading. Um, and it allows that those sub-themes and the umbrella of housing affordability allows for contextualization at all those levels because we know that the policy solutions in Atlanta, Georgia aren't going to be the same as Marion, Ohio or San Diego, California. And so those need to be tailored and adapted to the specific situations. Um, I mentioned that we're coming up on our one-year anniversary on June 12th is the exact date that we launched. Um, and we've been really pleased so far with the early wins that we've seen under the campaign, under those four sub-themes working towards home affordability through those areas. Um, we've already seen uh, wins that are totaling more than a million people with improved home affordability. And we've been really thrilled to see that progress to date. I think that genuinely speaks to the alignment with the pre-existing priorities of our network that have been identified by our network across the U.S. Um, I also think the number of affiliates and, and state organizations participating, which is over 300 now, um, really speaks to that. And folks can still enroll. Um, so that's an open enrollment process that we want to invite folks to join us. Um, the other thing that I'll speak to is more, um, more immediate and more reflective of our current circumstances during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and that's simply that the campaign has really positioned us to prepare our network, to raise our collective voice and advocate together 
um, in light of the, the current situation, both for nonprofit relief and for housing stability. So I'm really happy that the timing has worked out with Cost of Home and laying this foundation and providing this key platform from which we can address the compounded need for, for both housing stability and affordability um, during this time and as we look towards recovery. Uh, the campaign's been a critical component of the network's advocacy response thus far, and it will continue to play a key role in recovery. Um, we're really looking at adapting um, how we can make modifications. Um, we believe that the structure is still a powerful tool and remains incredibly valuable as we now move forward, but want to allow for the flexibility needed to properly address the exacerbated needs. Um, and we've been really proud of how the networks come together over these past, um, past five weeks to really raise a strong voice at all levels of government um, to advocate for these needs in light of the pandemic. That's awesome, Anne. Thank you so much for that. That's a, I think exciting to hear about everything that's going on, the work that you guys are doing. And I, I'm encouraged to hear that the Cost of Home campaign that was last year, launched a year ago, of course, none of us expected this pandemic to take place, but I think it sounds like through your team and the work that you guys are doing, you put a good infrastructure there for us to now be able to advocate in the midst of this pandemic. That you know, it sounds like if this had happened two years ago, this pandemic, we wouldn't have had that infrastructure and we would have been worse for it. So that's exciting to hear. Now, Lisa, maybe, can you tell me a little bit on the, the local level, what, what you guys are working on right now? Anything particular? Uh, I think one of the things that we're trying to do is stay abreast of what's happening uh, within the local economy. Uh, in Atlanta, there was a lot of conversation that was teed up by uh, the mayor of doing um, a housing opportunity bonds, and it had gone to the city council in March for a hundred million. And when it got to the city council, they added another hundred million. So there was a bond um, conversation of doing $200 million for affordable housing. And as a result of the COVID crisis and the impacts that are forecasted for the city of Atlanta government, they have um, tabled that conversation. So they've actually withdrawn it. They were supposed to have a conversation and vote on it and then move through the process to get those bonds issued. And they have decided to uh, table it indifferently because the um, city financial officer said that it's likely to have um, a two to three year impact on the city government in terms of revenue losses. And so mm -hmm. we are just looking at ways to continue to have uh, investments in affordable housing during this crisis. I think it's a, it's a challenge because we are not a basic provider in terms of emergency relief efforts. So right now there's a lot of food banks, there's a lot of um, schooling and tutoring programs, technology, bridging the digital divide, and other core services, even temporary emergency housing and um, eviction relief or you know, rent relief. So affordable housing and the way that we do it is kind of the second tier because you need that st stability for people to be able to manage through the crisis, but we also are really the foundation 
um, or that safety net for the community. So what we're finding ourselves having to do is remind um, the philanthropic community, remind the governments, remind the community that stability for housing has to be up there in a tier that's not left behind because it's not an emergency um, support activity, but it is a recovery activity and it actually is a activity that will help people weather this um, situation better because if someone is in a safe, decent home, they're in a position to actually um, manage and survive through this versus being in other situations where they're at risk and especially where they're paying high rents. So rents in Atlanta are about $1,400 on average. Lisa, you've hit on a lot of things that we've been talking about um, a lot within our team and as we talk to different members of the network lately, particularly um, how to position housing um, and housing stability and housing affordability as central during this time. And I think it's really calling attention to the interlinkages, the strong interconnection of housing and health. Um, and how critical housing is, is a foundational element to health out outcomes, um, especially when situations like right now, you can't shelter in place if you don't have a safe, affordable home. Um, and so calling attention to that need um, and the critical role that housing is going to play as we move towards recovery and people being able to stay in their homes um, and just how central that's going to be to economic recovery and health recovery and otherwise. Um, I think that's really, really key and a key message to get across to folks. And Alisa, you both make fantastic, fantastic points. I. Um, you know, Lisa, I think one of the things is we've had conversations with affiliates throughout the pandemic that has been kind of the concern is that shelter, even though shelter in place is a buzzword we're hearing over and over again, shelter and the need for it, as they describe it, is getting moved to the back burner because it's not that uh, perceived as the urgent emergency need mm -hmm. right now. And to me, that, that kind of actually leads into the next question. And I guess if you two just want to expound on this a little bit about the, the, the need now more than ever for our affiliates to be engaged in advocacy on the local level so that we make sure shelter doesn't fall by the wayside or get overshadowed uh, needlessly. Could you two just maybe talk a little bit? Lisa, would you, what are your thoughts on something like that? Well, I think we have been um, using the slogan um, in the Habitat um, Network now more than ever, home matters. Um, and there's hope uh, plus community equals recovery. I think those messages really do resonate with me and they resonate with everyone because, you know, to the extent that you have had to be in your home for several weeks now, being in a unsafe place, um, being in a relative's home on a couch or in a room, or having um, a high rent in not the best conditions where the landlord is still requiring rent payments to be made, I think, um, and the rent is more than 50% of someone's paycheck is, is really extremely stressful. Not only do you have the health impacts, but you have um, just that 
instability that's happening right now. I think it's going to be really important to try to demonstrate what is that long-term impact if we don't fund affordable housing now. Because I have seen where there's been this distribution where people were focused on habitat and committed to habitat, but then we've gotten notes that say, we're going to focus everything on emergency efforts. We're going to just switch. So we will be unable to fund you now. And that's a significant impact um, to the current work that we're doing, because we have people lined up right now for homes. We have over 400 people on a waiting list for to apply for our program, not approved to apply. And then we have at least 50 people that have applied and been approved. And this year, we may not be able to even satisfy um, all of those commitments uh, for those folks that are through the program and they're ready to go. Wow, that's alarming. And what, do, do you have anything on that? Do you like I'll to add a little bit. I'll add a little bit. Um, Lisa, you started getting in a little bit to the numbers, and I think most most folks are um, familiar with some of the the numbers, some of the statistics that we use for cost of home a lot. One is that 18 million households in the U.S. has um, is paying half or more of their income on housing, so it's one one in six households. Um, and now, if you look at the the numbers coming in on unemployment in the past two months, more than uh, 30 million people have filed for unemployment in the U.S. Um, so we know that those needs are exacerbated. We know that even more families are having to choose um, between, you gave the, the rent numbers, between being able to afford their rent or their mortgage payment, being able to afford medicine or, um, or food on the table. And those are choices that no one should have to make. Um, so it shows how much the need has increased, um, and this is a time where policymakers are are working on a lot, a whole lot at once. Um, we're seeing things move very quickly um, in Congress right now, um, specifically, and so we're seeing um, we're seeing opportunities where members of Congress and Senate and the House want to be hearing from their constituents. Um, and so Lisa used the term now more than ever. Um, now more than ever, we need you to be a voice to your policymakers. Um, and so you'll, you'll see a lot of actions, a lot of asks coming out in emails from us to take action. Um, and not only take action yourself, but share it with your, with your donors and your volunteers and your distribution list and on social media so that we can really have more voices that Habitat homeowners in the communities we work, we're working in are raising their voice um, in support of these issues because it really does make a matter, make, make a difference right now. It really does matter. Um, and it's, it, we've seen it be able to move the needle. Um, we have recommendations moving into this next economic stimulus package, the fourth package um, at the federal level, and we um, had a sign-on letter that we had over 600 affiliates sign on to saying that they support our recommendations for that proposal. That's huge, but we need to, we need to keep doing our part because things are moving very quickly and there's a lot of stuff coming up. Um, we've seen that 
at the state and local level too. And we've seen um, affiliates and state organizations having a lot of success, um, our partners having a lot of success um, in taking measures so that people can stay in their homes and continue to afford their homes during this time. Um, so there's, there's a lot of action going on and a lot of opportunity um, to help be supportive of that that's much needed. Yes, I just wanted to thank you, Anne, and the government relations team for all the tools you've put in place that allow us to really raise our voice and get the word out and sign on to those letters and write letters and send letters. Your team has done an excellent job in helping us kind of really magnify our voice, and I'm, I think that's part of it. If it's easy to get people to send a letter or send an email or sign on to something that will be delivered, I think that also makes the advocacy um, much more tangible to folks. Because right now, I think one of the issues is that you're trying to really make sure the people that you come into contact, whether it's employees, volunteers, homeowners, um, sponsors and donors that you're acting in a way that's um, safe and secure but also that's advocating for affordable housing and I think you're, everyone is an emergency we are in emergency mode so it's hard to do the things that aren't urgent but that are important so I feel like advocacy, advocacy falls in that quadrant of not urgent, but important. And it's the work that has to be done so that we can actually be in a recovery and we can continue to really try to address those numbers you mentioned earlier about so many households spending more than um, half of their paycheck um, to, to try to have housing. And with the unemployment numbers, we know that's gonna be in jeopardy and it's gonna be really a tight walk for people to try um, to, to sustain themselves. Thanks, Lisa. And our team really, I mean, it's a true team effort and it's not just GRA, um, but we really try to make it as easy as possible for affiliates to engage themselves and to engage their communities. Um, and so you'll see, it's very simple. It, it can take, you know, 30 seconds to send a letter to Congress and we have everything pre-populated and you can modify it as you want. Um, and there's there's templates to send out to your supporter list and all that kind of good stuff. Um, so I mentioned it's not just GRA, it's not. Um, there's a whole um, section of My Habitat related to these resources that the My Habitat team's been amazing in building out that you can see, you know, COVID response and specific advocacy COVID response all captured right there. Um, so there's all sorts of good stuff to be leveraged. The emails coming out from US office, there's all sorts of good information that we're really working to make it as digestible and accessible and easy to use as possible. Thank you. That's excellent, ladies. That's, uh, I think, great information. And as you two were talking, I think you both actually, Lisa, you said something about advocacy being something that was, you know, important but not urgent. What do you think about the idea, you know, as, as we've been talking about all of this and all these competing voices and the need, you know, to use your phrase, now more than ever, home is so critical for us. What do you think about the idea of even advocacy, to Anne's point about now more than ever, that, that do you think that advocacy for a Habitat affiliate might actually be transitioning from being one of those things that's almost essential to survival? Because 
as the landscape changes for fundraising and getting the attention uh, of not just the media, but of your elected officials, that maybe those affiliates who have never advocated before are now going to have to become advocates in order to survive. Do you see that I, as being something that's... I, I absolutely do see it as being essential for survival because not only will they need to advocate to elected officials to make sure as funding is prioritized uh, during the recovery and after the recovery, that housing um, has a role and habitat has a role. I think it's very easy to get caught up in the moment, Terry, emergency issue of the health crisis and then how that's impacting us economically and then not thinking about the longer term that what happens if all the funding is allocated to other needs. Uh, so I think it's really critical now and I think it's really important for um, everyone to use their voice to advocate for the things that we have control over because there's a lot we don't have control over but there is plenty that we can control and there's plenty that we can be focused on um, as it relates to helping you know people really be in a position to, to have the, the safe affordable housing and so I think I think it should be top of mind I know sometimes it can be hard to understand um, where to start if you're not someone who is accustomed to advocacy, but really advocacy is just using your voice to help influence and bring about change. And so if there's an issue where there's not enough resources to go around, you're going to have to use your voice to, to demonstrate why uh, housing is a critical need because it's foundational to all the other outcomes that people have, whether it's education, whether it's crime and stability in neighborhoods, whether it's health outcomes. There are so many um, things that stable housing uh, affords a person that it's gonna be really critical, I feel, and essential for people to you know, really start advocating and really start moving the needle on advocacy uh, locally and at their state level and even nationally. Mm -hmm. I also, I think that I'll just add to that briefly, um, that, that we're a really well-respected organization. Um, and, and with that comes some sense of responsibility to, to advocate for ourselves and also advocate for our community and for housing writ large, that we have the ability to do that. Um, because of the way that we're positioned. Um, I said, and we've definitely seen the interest there um, from members of our network who have not traditionally advocated with us before. I, I mentioned that we had over 600 Habitat affiliated organizations who signed on um, to, to our most recent sign-on letter. Um, these are unprecedented times and those are unprecedented numbers of affiliates advocating um, along with us, which is, it's good, it's important, and it's necessary. And it's interesting that you, excuse me, that you say that, because about, you know, our goodwill, how well we're respected in the community, I think it's easy a lot of times for us, right, as Habitat, I think falling to rest on our laurels, right? Is, is very easy to do because we are such a respected name. Anywhere you go, people they know Habitat, they know the brand. Um, but I love what you said, that there's a certain degree of responsibility with that. 
um, that, you know, I, I don't think we're going to be able to simply just take that goodwill and not put it to good use, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's, uh, it, it seems like advocacy would be one of the easiest ways to do that. And to the earlier point, essential, because, you know, as, as the landscape for fundraising and for elected officials change and their priorities change, we've got to be there doing exactly what Lisa said is speaking with that loudest voice that we possibly can. Would you, would you agree with that, Anne? I wholeheartedly agree with that. And that advocacy is one of the things that we can do right now that, that will have, can have, hopefully will have a lot of impact um, during this current situation. It's something that we, we can be doing um, that has so much potential. And, and I think that's, that's very important. And um, it's another way to keep, um, as we can't have volunteers out on the build site, it's another way to keep people engaged to be advocating alongside us as well. Excellent. Well, ladies, as we're wrapping up our conversation here, I just want to open up the opportunity. Um, Lisa, if you want to go first, maybe, is there any final thing that you want us to know if, to, you know, any affiliates that are out there listening, any words of encouragement or ideas or anything that you want to share with them? I, th I think one of the most important things we can do is one, raise our voice for advocacy and really support the efforts um, that Habitat National uh, has underway and the U.S. Council Advocacy Committee. We are really trying to make sure resources are available um, for the affiliate network in the short and long term, and we need their voices to be able to do that. And I think the second thing is to be adaptable and think about how Habitat does our work and how we impact the community. Coming out of this crisis, we might have to scale up in a way that we never have, and we may have to adapt the way we do things so that we can do them safely and we can do them in the, in the new norm. And I'm not sure what that's going to be, but I do think there'll be changes and I think it's going to be incumbent upon all of us to put our heads together and have the best thinking around how do we make sure more people have a safe, decent place to live and how do we do that supporting each other and how do we do that advocating together um, as one network, as one large organization with many voices, but really being a resounding chorus that sounds like one voice. And I'll just reiterate a couple things or add a couple easy steps that folks can take to stay engaged with us um, and up to date, because as I mentioned, things things are moving much more quickly than, than sometimes they do um, right now. And so we have, if you're not on our distribution list for emails from the government relations and advocacy team, I encourage you to take one minute and sign up for those on my habitat on the US advocacy section. There's a sign up link um, and that's the best way to hear what's happening from us. Um, and then what I'll reiterate is just simply um, that that we have already seen how affiliates and, and state organizations and, and we at HFHI are able to leverage the cost of home campaign um, to help help ensure that that the expanded compounded needs for housing stability and housing affordability are addressed during this time and moving into recovery. And we know that that will continue to be critical. And so I encourage you, if your affiliate has not already enrolled in the cost of home campaign, 
um, to consider doing so. That's an open enrollment process. And if you are already engaging through the campaign, um, to consider how you can how you can make use of the campaign, anything from the messaging to the platform, um, to the resources that we have available, and let us know how we may be able to help adapt those um, to to be even more relevant and helpful. Ladies, this is fantastic. I, I've loved the information you provided, the insight, the expertise. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us and to be a part of the podcast. I, of course, wish you both the best. Please do stay safe. And, of course, thank you for what you're both doing. You, you're both doing some amazing work, and uh, we are a better network because of you. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Ryan and Lisa. Ple pleasure to spend some time with you and share with folks. Yes, and thank you, Ryan and Ann. It was absolute pleasure, and I look forward to more conversation.